0: You don't try to build a wall you don't start there you say i'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid you do that every single day and soon you have a wall Good afternoon. You are listening to the On Point podcast. I am Mr Umba, and it gives me great pleasure to be talking to my guest today. This is one of my Twitter friends, someone who i followed for a long time. I'm going to be speaking to the author of the unofficial teaching manual, the author of Teaching for Realists and experienced teacher, Omar Akbar. How
1: are you, Christian? Pleasure to speak I'm good. I'm good. Well it's good enough. to be able to talk to you. It so, is. How are you feeling right now? Well, we just, because both of us have been so busy, man, honestly. Um... Nah, it feels good though. It's that point in the holiday where you've got, you kind of got your energy back, and you can actually do stuff, you know. So I'm kind of in that mode at the moment. So I'm, I'm enjoying. Oh yeah, ju- yeah. So yeah, definitely. So it's a real pleasure to have you on the pod today
0: because um, we've talked um, on on online and offline, and um, I really appreciate lots of the things that I see you tweeting. There's a real, um, I guess, passion for helping teachers who are joining the profession and trying to make sure they stay in the profession um i know there's a big drive often on recruiting teachers to the profession but over the last couple decades we've seen greater attrition where you've got lots of people who are leaving and i think that what you've done in, in writing your books is try to just break it down on like from a kind of like like you know i've been through this experience as well let me just come alongside you and help you understand what teaching is all about and why it's so rewarding, why it's the best job in the world. And so why did you feel the need to kind of address those early years,
1: like the work that you do around ECTs and people who just join the profession? I mean, I believe that the teaching courses, they tell you how to teach, which obviously they have to do that, that's a good thing. They don't tell you the other bits. Um, the the non-teaching parts of teaching, so things like, for example, how and when to say yes and no or no and yes, how to get parents on side, uh, what to not put in a school email, how to get the most from observations, uh, book scrutinies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Data, there's a lot of data in education performance management. So across my books, I kind of I kind of address those, and I, I think there is there is there is a gap there where they're only telling you the half the story and it's the other half which causes teachers to leave the profession later on Mm. in that first five years it's 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 that other part which they haven't had help with and and i think and i think that that, that's kind of my aim is to develop that part say okay you know what these are the not so good bits Mm. and it's no no secret that they're not so good bits but you can manage them Mm. Because a lot of teachers do it. I do it. You do it. You know, and it's almost to save them trial and error. Mm. You know, it's it's to save them that, I guess, years of headache just by if they can get it right the first time because they because they've heard it from a from an experienced teacher. I think that's really important because I've worked with colleagues in in my career
0: who have been exceptional teachers. They've really had a gift for teaching and they understand how to communicate to young people and they've been experts in their subject knowledge. Who have then made the decision to leave teaching and and i don't begrudge anybody who decides that the perfect that you know wh- whatever's going on in their life you know it's just not right for them but yeah. i do wonder how many of those colleagues if they had had i guess greater support early on um would have stayed in the profession and i guess that's the reason for the changes to the ect framework and ensuring that there is greater support but i think you you hit the nail on the head there that there's there's sometimes think you can see something from the outside from a periphery and not really know what it's like so I've got children so you know from the outside you can see lots of cute pictures on Instagram and you can you know enjoy all of that stuff but actually late nights and not being sure if your child is colicky or not know some of those things are like the the nitty-gritty bits
1: Exactly that. Exactly that. And that, and that is exactly w- what I aim to do with, with my writing and say, OK, well, these are those bits. And it's not just a case of, OK, let's talk about those bits and not help you, because then all you're doing is moaning, which has its place. Don't get me wrong, but you <laughs> moan and advise or moan and act. There should be something. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just, you know, unnecessary, I think. And and that's I like that analogy you've given. Yeah, this is totally this is social media. You only see the good bits.
0: Yeah, mm, it's true because I think that you know, I, I I think I think it's in the first book you talk about why teaching is the the best job in the world, and I think for those people who are in the profession and have had that moment where they've been able to help a young person to understand something or to love a subject or to develop discover some gift, you recognise what a rewarding and noble profession we're in. And I think there's something about the way that you kind of um talk up the profession and talk up, you know, the realities of the profession that we do a hard job, yeah. but it's a worthwhile job. Yeah. What was your personal experience like, you know, as 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 a as an early a careers teacher and, and that transition to make you to make you get to a
1: point where you're like, you know what, I need to put this down on paper. I mean, my NQT year was difficult, I'm not gonna lie. Um, not just mine though. I mean, I started the school there was 20 NQTs at the same time. Wow. And yeah, yeah, massive school. I think it was the biggest in Europe at the time or something like that. Um, and it, it was challenging for so many reasons, mm. you know. Um, and I think for those, well, that year itself was difficult. But then after that, you see you see new teachers uh, making the same mistakes. Uh, they're all making similar mistakes of a similar nature. But to them, they're not mistakes. Mm. you know that, that it's because no one's told them it's mm. a mistake of ignorance it's not a, it's not an it's not an actual mistake in that sense mm. you know um and just a few years in i thought you know what somebody needs to pull all of this down mm. you know like for example i mean just example popped into my head like not going above your head of department yeah, change of command and all that you know yeah so all these little things which you pick up along the way it would be useful if somebody just put it in a book I just mm. thought to myself, you know what? There's no reason why that can't be me. So mm. in 2016, I did it. So but- do you know, for me, uh,
0: what what I find quite interesting is culture, and I I wonder, and I don't, I've not really considered this before, but just the idea that as we have now different generations of teacher within the the education system, we have a whole range of generations. So you'd have what's known as Gen X you'd have the millennials i recently found out that I'd be known as a geriatric millennial which was much to my disdain um, then you've got millennials and then you've got a generation of gen z so there's a there's a generation of teachers who have always had internet so do you think that there can be a disconnect between gener- like the generation the cultures of generations in terms of perhaps there is a, maybe there is a disconnect sometimes in some of the cultural nuances between different kind of generations? Or do you think it's just a case of people don't know? Why would they know if no one's told, ever told them?
1: I think it's because a lot of people, th- that their first job is teaching.
0: Mm. um,
1: So they may not be familiar with work culture generally. Mm. Then you add to that school culture specifically, you know, and I think in the training year there, they soften a lot of it, which it makes sense to do that because of, I mean, this attitude whereby if, you, if you're throwing the eggs at the wall to see if they break, then no one's going to be a teacher. Mm. So so they do soften a lot of it, but they don't do that so much in the NQT year. So there's quite a big jump between there to there, which, and, and that's, the, that's the kind of gap that I'm filling. Do you know what I mean? So that that year is 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 less less of a shock to them.
0: Mm. Do you and feel I,
1: like? And I do think I, I'm not sure it's a generational thing though. I, I actually I think they just don't know, you know. And, mm. I, and I think there there is just a a learning curve to go through. You
0: know? Do you feel like we? Do you feel like because when we think about school culture, mm. do you can do you think there is a? Is it us? Is it we as a culture that are creating? the kind of the challenges that we face or is it is it do you feel like it's imposed from somewhere else because i've noticed you said like day a couple of times and when you say day do you mean like the wider educational culture or do you mean particular kind of context what, what do you
1: mean by that oh i mean they could mean the education system for mm. stop. Mm. It could been your specific leaders, your specific school leaders, full stop. It mm. really does depend which 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 one we're talking about. Mm. But I make it clear, like in the examples and stuff that I give when I write, like who is quote unquote responsible for what. Yeah. You know? So yeah, um, it it really does vary because because you know there's there's a difference in the way, uh, quite a big difference a lot of the time in the way schools are run, mm. um, the way they the, the way they're led, but the system's still the same. So there's they, the system. Like yeah. if you talk about Ofsted, that's a, that's a universal they. That's everybody, yeah. you know. But if you talk about, okay, well, um, w- we only get one observation every six months, uh, uh, every year, yeah. and somebody else gets one every every half term. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, That's that, that's a different kind of they, isn't it?
0: That's um, that's actually really powerful. Yeah. The fact that we are we are the like you know we shape the culture that we 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 exist in, and so. Yeah there is a sense that there are some things that are external factors that we have no control over, but there are things that we can do internally
1: that shape how someone will feel in that culture. Exactly, exactly. And this is why you can find um, teachers under the exact same external pressures at two different schools. Mm-hmm. One of them's about to resign. One of them's happy mm-hmm. and, and, and and that is, yeah, because that's all down to how those variables are managed. Both by the individual teacher and the and the leadership.
0: If if there was like a leader listing who who is maybe mentoring an ECT or somebody who has some sort of responsibility over how they can shape that culture, what would you say would be something that could be the most conducive for someone who's an ECT who's new to the profession? What kind of things can they do to help teachers to survive and thrive, given? all of the context that we've got, not just the, our own school cultures and all of it, but also the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. What other things do you think
1: they could do? Well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, I, because I mentor PGCs as well. Mm. I'm not this year, actually, but but I have like throughout my career, NQTs and PGCs, I've mentored them both. And I do it the way it was done with me because um, I had the best mentor ever. So mm. I, I just continue in his legacy. Mm. Um, I think the relationship between the mentor and the mentee, that that is quite... A substantial uh, factor in in how well that in how well that teacher is going to perform mm. and how comfortable that teacher is going to feel. I think we should keep the main thing the main thing. I care about what goes on in their classroom. Yeah, yeah. Everything else, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying don't concentrate concentrate on it or focus on it. I'm saying it's secondary. So we should, I mean, you hear the word prioritise a lot. In Mm. schools, we should prioritize this, but literally, it's like if everybody's saying prioritize everything, it's like, do you know what prioritize means? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean
1: what you think it does, you know. Um, So develop that relationship, and it has to be a kind of, uh, I guess you could call it guide on the side. Mm. Uh, uh, No, not guide on the side. Excuse me, critical friend okay that's the phrase they used to use back in the day I remember I don't know if they still use it but yeah critical friend it's like that kind of relationship um so like like a friend who like I'm
0: I'm sure all of us will have friendships where there's a friend who will will encourage you and will kind of exhort you and call you out when things aren't maybe going the way they need to be and just be honest with you I remember someone saying being able to present the, the facts the brutal facts but being kind with the delivery that you can speak very honestly to someone, very candidly about yeah. something that's happening, but in a way that doesn't make the other person feel inadequate or make them feel like you know they haven't, you know that they're not, they're never going to
1: improve. But just being able to be very honest about those conversations, I think, I think that there is a degree of you have to reserve judgment. Mm. You have to let people develop as well, and and that might mean making mistakes and doing things wrong, and you know, re- reserving judgment is quite a big one.
0: Mm. I mean it's, it's so interesting when I look at you know if you ever see job adverts and 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 schools advertising for roles in their school every school sounds amazing Every context sounds amazing. And and we know the reality is that that's not the case. Not that they're not necessarily amazing, but every school has their own specific context that they're working in that make it challenging. Why is it important for someone who's new to the profession to to kind of have a sense of realism about what's expected of them? Because I think sometimes you can look at some of the adverts that you see for, not just for schools, but like for teaching as a profession, and they capture the wow moments. Those moments that send shiver down your spine because they're just so amazing how you can be able to deliver some content and just set a child's world on fire because they've just learnt this new thing. But what I think you've done in in your writing is try to just give a dose of realism to that. Why do you reckon that's so
1: critical for someone going into the profession? I think disillusionment is a problem. Mm. A lot of teachers, they start and after that first half term, they're like, I don't know what the hell I agreed to. There was a thread on Twitter the other day. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't join in because, do you know, what? I might go back and join in. There, there, there was a tweet saying from a new teacher saying, I've resigned. Literally, um, I'm six weeks in, obviously, half term. Um, my mental health can't handle this anymore. Mm. And I've resigned. Now, you know what normally happens on Twitter people would be like, oh you know what try another school if you need mm. any me that and that kind of thing that's all good and that did too but there was like four other people who said yeah i've resigned too mm. on the same thread mm. you know it, it, it's it's not good mm. you know now either they were uh, they don't they didn't know what they were in for or their schools are really badly managed it's it's mm. you know what i mean there's so, mm. something has gone wrong somewhere mm. people have done all of that and they're ready to resign that quickly. Mm. Now, but if we can narrow some of that gap, mm. and so actually, you know what, I'm telling you what you're in for right now. Mm. Okay, and here's what you can do about it. And I think you're helping people when you do when you do that. Mm. There will be that hopefully that sense of disillusionment that comes later. We can reduce that if they. Mm. Know. Now it might not be nice to tell them. I would rather tell people than advise them because I think in the long run it would be it, it, it's the better thing to do.
0: Mm, I and, definitely and, think so that.
1: Then at least they can say, well, actually, you know what? I knew this. Yeah. You know.
0: I definitely think that. Um, looking at so so, I'm uh, I've I've got a ECT that I'm, I'm mentoring this year, mm. and looking at the new framework, there is a greater emphasis on ensuring, like some of the nuances in in things like behavior management to ensure that colleagues are empowered. They know, you know, I think it goes back to what you said earlier on about why would somebody know that? Why would somebody know about, you know, where they position themselves in the room or their tone of voice or their the, the, why would they know why would they know that? And obviously I understand that we've all been through training, but there is a there's sometimes a disconnect between the experience you have as a as a trainee And when you're actually in the classroom managing it and there are real life students in front of you with all of the pressures that come and there are so many different skills that a teacher is using when they're in the classroom managing a whole range of diff, a whole host of their own personal emotions and, and the students that are in front of them that actually being able to have somebody go through it with them step by step and say this is how we address this issue i think has been something that i've seen a real benefit from from the new framework because i think it allows you to have like you say that guide on the side someone yeah. who's be able to, who's who's there with you and able to say look Look at this thing. This is something to think about,
1: yeah, no exactly. And I think um one of the main things with that is, although I'm not involved in it this year myself, is that there is more time to observe teachers, is, isn't there? Mm. and And I think that's a major plus mm. because that tends to go after the PGC year, not go completely, but it goes right down. And I don't mm. think I think new teachers have to have to look for these subtle things that teachers do unconsciously mm. a lot of the time. Mm. you know. Like standing at the back of your classroom rather than the front, and using it. <laughs> what you're actually doing when you do that is telling the kids that this is your space. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That they are in your space, therefore mm. they follow your rules. Mm. You know? So it's it's, it's nuance, isn't it? It's nuance like that, and I think that can only really be learned when it, by observing others. It, it, it's it's hard to. I mean, I've tried. I've tried my best to put it in writing, and I I hope people get it. Yeah. It's interesting because
0: it's it is it can be challenging to codify some of these things that we do intuitively. Like the things that we will do in our classroom have been learned over many years of experience of trial and failure, of you know, seeing the benefits of it. And actually some things are taught and some things are caught. And I think the goal is to try and codify that which is kind of caught and is part of our normal practice and make that really explicit to someone who's joining the profession. So they too can can inhabit some, or, or exhibit sorry some of those very same skills and I do think that with all the challenges that that teaching brings it is still a really rewarding job it is it you know how how do you think we can as as people that are part of the education system not only because we're in it but also like the wider kind of um, edgy twitter and all of the kind of periphery things that go around of it what role do you think we have in talking up the profession and showing it to be like such a rewarding job
1: I mean, th- this is exactly it. I mean, as as much as I say the not so good aspects of it, I'm 100 percent. There's no other job that I would want to do. You know what I mean? I'm a natural teacher through and through. That 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 is how <laughs> I look at other jobs like you sit at a desk all day. Flipping heck, man. How do you do that? You know, um, for me, teaching is fun. Right. I have fun in the classroom. I have fun with my colleagues. And, and I mean, that's one of the main reasons I do it. Obviously I care about the other stuff too, but I can't, I'm not somebody who can be, I th- I'm just too hyper like that. I can't be born <laughs> today. I can't sit and concentrate for, you know, for long periods of time on a, on, a, on a screen. Not that everybody else does that, but you, I'm sure you get it. Um, and, and we need to remember that we're thanked and appreciated. Mm. And often it doesn't feel like that. But the thanks is when you bump it to a student 10 years later and they'll say oh my god it's sir it's sir it's mr akbar do you know what i mean it's just like you know you're in their mind somewhere you probably shape them as a person in some way there'll be one sentence that you said right which will stick in their mind you know i mean that there's a lot of satisfaction in that there's a lot Mm. of you know you can look back 20 years saying you know what i'm an invaluable member of society Mm. in a way that is not common in most jobs
0: Mm. i love that you know the idea of teachers shaping the future you know as we have our kids in our students in front of us every day we are ultimately changing the trajectory of their lives and for some students they may well already be on a course where they've got a, a a really strong support network they've got good role models they they kind of have a life that's kind of carved out for them I think where we see the greatest gains is where you have students that maybe don't have those things and maybe experience some sort of disadvantage and you as a as an agent in the in, in the classroom are actively able to change their trajectory where they would have gone down this way but now they've gone in a different direction and when they see you there is a I still call my teachers sir uh, a miss because there's a sense that they were such a pivotal they play such a pivotal role as such a significant part in my life that you, you always remember them in that way. And I definitely think that it's so important to recognize those those moments that make teaching such a rewarding role. Um, in terms of like managing all of the kind of the workload and the the kind of challenges and whatnot, what kind of things do you think are important for teachers to do around wellbeing? Because I know we've talked a little bit about some of the things that you do in terms of wellbeing. So if there's a ECT or a, any teacher listening and they're thinking about things they can do to help manage Kind of their well-being outside of the classroom, what kind of things would
1: you suggest? Diet, sleep and exercise. I mean, getting between, uh, they either say six to eight or they say seven to nine hours sleep. Um, the more you exercise, the more energy you have. So that, that's, that that's actually has a overall, obviously mm. exercise is knackering, but you, you end up having more, more energy overall. Mm. And I think the important thing as well, in addition to all of that, because we kind of talked about the physical side, Um, is the you have to talk to other teachers. Mm. You have to speak to the teachers at your school, whether it's in the staff room, whether you're going to send them 20-minute voice notes on WhatsApp, whatever it is, you know what I mean? You have to keep talking. Because what happens is a lot of the stressors, so to speak, I think humans are just wired to think that it's just them. Mm. And it won't be just you. It'll Mm. be And you need that sense of solace. Be like, oh, have you done that yet? Because you think, I haven't done it yet. That but everybody else must have done it and it's only just me who it's only me who hasn't done it. You phone up three people, they haven't done it either. I'm telling you, do you know what I mean? You've done that All right, okay then. Have you done it? No, no no. When are you gonna do it? I'm gonna do it Thursday, or oh, I'll do it Thursday as well. And you just feel better just from that. You know what I mean? Just from having had that conversation, you feel better. I think that's such an astute observation because
0: there is a sense that sometimes teaching can be a little bit isolating. You're in your classroom, particularly you know, if we think over the last 18 months where we've had um, to make some adjustments because of the pandemic, the idea that you have people around you who are going through exactly the same thing, I think that's such a helpful observation for somebody who is an early careers teacher and is new to the profession, is the idea of having a group of people who, not only beyond your mentor and, and your team, but having a group of people who are very similar. And that doesn't necessarily have to be in the same school, but just having a community. And that's one of the reasons why I do love Twitter, is there, yeah. is, there is a community there. And I, I did wonder when I saw I did see that tweet you talked about earlier. Yeah. And I did wonder, that person sounded very isolated. Yes. And 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 I wondered how much counsel and support and guidance they had before they had made that decision. And obviously, I don't begrudge anybody who makes decisions for their well being and what's right for them. I, I,
1: I just consider it quite quite sad, you know, like mm. somebody who's, who's done the training and all that, and then within six weeks, like, you know, um, I, I see that as a failing on, on, on the on the system, there's a failing there somewhere Mm. I don't think that should be happening so quick no it is is it's quite sad yeah no that's that's what I see it as so if there was anything one
0: one take-home tip that you were going to give to someone who's an early career teacher about how to be on point it doesn't necessarily just have to be for early careers but anybody as a teacher what would be one thing that you you think
1: yeah that's something that I've really learned in my career about being on point focus on your classroom practice and and you, you would think that that's that, that's an obvious so well obviously what are you going to focus on well we know how it goes focus on your classroom practice everything else is secondary everything else is secondary i'm not saying don't meet deadlines don't mark your books you know no one's saying that but if you want to focus on something focus on your classroom practice your lesson planning that would be that would be the one if you want to get it right in the classroom i mean even a lot of the time i mean if we're going to christian if we're gonna have, <laughs> have honest discussion between us, though, a lot of school leaders will forgive you for other things if your classroom practice is bang on. You miss a deadline, they're like, "No, no, no leave it, man, leave it, leave it, leave it. He's all right. Don't annoy him." You know what I mean? No, no. I, I think, think I think
0: that, I think that's a very I think that's very that? that's how it goes. I think, I think that's very true. I think there are leaders who are human and they they lead with empathy and they recognise that people are under huge pressure yeah, and exactly. actually having teachers be ultimately you want a school a school i think it was john thompson in his book that talked about um having in order to have a great school you need great teachers so being able to have removing all of the kind of um constraints that hinder teachers from being a great teacher once you've done that and created an environment for that you want your teachers to flourish and i do agree that obviously we should meet deadlines mark books do all the things that we should do but ultimately being what you do in the classroom is the thing that has the biggest impact on the outcomes for that young person.
1: 100%, then it would be that, then it would be the <clears throat> relationship with your kids because that's gonna make everything easier. Your teaching will be easier. Your behavior management will be easier. Your the, the other job satisfaction you get 20 years later, they probably don't remember your starter activity that well. they can remember, oh yeah, Mr. Akbar, he shaves his head on a Wednesday and Sunday. He <laughs> <laughs> told them that it's like, oh yeah, sure. Sorry, you shaved your head yesterday. It's like you don't even remember what I taught you last lesson, but you remember that about you know, um and they, they'll remember all those little quirks, and, and they, they will be beneficial to to you and them in the long run.
0: Amazing Omar, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you yes. so much for being on the On Point podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to the On Point podcast. I've been Mr. Umbar. Have a great afternoon. Take care. Bye bye. You don't try to build a wall, you don't start there. You say, I'm gonna lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. You do that every single day. And soon you have a wall. And soon you have a wall.